Hi, and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the third podcast in this series where Brooke speaks to Rebecca Shan about her blog and what's going on in her life. It was a really lovely conversation, actually, with Beck. Um, she and I have, have been in touch a lot online, um, Instagram and email. She she comments on my blog and I read hers a lot. So it was really nice to um, put a voice to the to the blog. Yeah. And yeah, it's um, she's a good she's a, a really interesting woman who's doing something that she makes sound so simple, but it's obviously difficult because so many people say they want to do it but can never actually make it happen. And that's living life according to her priorities. It's beautiful, isn't it? It really is. She's genuinely living her life according to her and her husband's priorities. And it's, you know, you can, you can tell just by the way she speaks about it. She's just so content. Mm. It's really, I just love the understated nature of this interview and the fact that she, she almost plays it down. She does. (laughs) Um, But what could only be, you know, described as, as a very, very mindful way of living that wouldn't be easy. And she's obviously made some pretty, tough choices and I don't think she she doesn't you know not not mention the, how hard it's been but you know I think it's um you know it's a really really sweet interview yeah it, it, it's it's wonderful I mean and it's something that I listen to because she's a she's a, um her and her husband live in a property and they um you know they manage a, a market garden she's also a permaculture designer so I'm a bit of a gardening nerd yeah, you have garden envy when you I look do. at her blog I have massive garden envy. If if you are interested in particularly beautiful photographs and um, you know words about creating a, a a garden, specifically veggie garden, fruit garden, and if that's something you're interested in, I would highly recommend that you pour yourself a cup of tea and check out her blog um, at thinkbiglivesimply.com because she just takes the most beautiful photos of the market garden that uh, her and her husband manage. Um, but also she runs series on her blog where she goes and explores other people's gardens and I have massive garden envy when I when I read her blog but also garden inspiration because I, I've learned a lot as well um, yeah so it's it's a twofold you know pleasure for me to have spoken to Beck because I, I would listen to people talk about gardening all day and even though we don't actually get into that side of it too much it was so wonderful to hear how it kind of plays into um, her choices to live a slower life. And, yeah, it's it's a really cool interview. I hope yeah. you enjoy it. You do really need to drink a cup of tea while listening to this interview, <laughs> so I would encourage you to go and do that now. And uh, bef- before we do get into the interview, though, uh, you can find the show notes for today's episode at slowyourhome.com forward slash three. That's just the number three. And there you'll find links to Beck's uh, blog and her social media accounts as well as any other resources that we we talk about and um yeah without any any more to say about it enjoy the interview hello hello how are you i'm great how are you yeah good thank you that's good thank you so much for this you're welcome. Thank you for thinking of me. Oh, no. You're one of the first people on my list. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, you having a good day? Yeah, yeah. I was out planting some cauliflower and some broccoli plants in the market garden and 
freezing my butt off because it's so cold down here all, all of a sudden. Is it? Yeah, freezing. Oh, so whereabouts are you? Um, do you know where Holbrook is? No. Do you know where Albury Wodonga is? Yes, I do. Yeah, so about an hour north of Albury Wodonga on the freeway. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so you would be getting pretty cold. Yeah, it's starting. I think we just got some cold wind or something coming from, you know, Tasmania. Yeah. <laughs> it's just freezing, but it's beautiful. It um, makes a nice change from 35. So, yes. We're, yeah. s- we're still sort of at the 27, 28 degree mark, and it's oh, it's beautiful. Like The days are beautiful. The mornings are really crisp, but I'm like, like just drop it down about five degrees. It'd be really nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's nearly April. It's time. It is. It is time. <laughs> Yeah. So, Beck, it's good to have you. Thank you for joining us. No problem, Brooke. Thank you. No, it's a pleasure. Um, so tell me a bit about yourself. I know you you live in a tiny home and you, you're a vegetable growing permaculture designer and you live in southern New South Wales. Is that right? Yep. Yep, yep that's right. But, I mean, you weren't always – that wasn't always what you did, was it? I mean, have you made a change recently from a different kind of lifestyle or have you always been um you know into sustainability and and growing your own food and living in a small home uh short answer is no it hasn't always been like that um my husband and I moved to where we are about 12 months ago or a little over 12 months ago um previous to that we were living in a sort of standard three-bedroom home in a in a um, fairly reasonable sized sort of regional city. Um, and, um, we were both working full-time jobs and living a pretty standard sort of go to work nine to five, come home, spend your money, work (laughs) to make money to live sort of lifestyle. Um, I'd always been into kind of sustainability and a little bit of a hippie at heart, I guess you could say. Um, but I'd certainly not been into growing all of our food in our backyard or anything. I sort of started growing by one little rosemary cutting in one little pot when we were renting a house out in Mildura, which is on the Murray River in regional Victoria. And um, my journey with growing sort of started from there and I, I ended up, once we bought a, a house, it already had a little veggie plot established and I just sort of started playing and putting things in and just really found a, a real passion for growing things and and just that wonder that you get when you plant a tiny little seed and then two months later you're eating a broccoli plant or something. Um, so so I guess I, I sort of found that path and um, started to get more unhappy in my full-time job, just not having any space in my life and going to work and coming home and every hour in the day was accounted for. And fortunately, which is a funny word to use, but fortunately my position was made redundant quite suddenly and unexpectedly. So um, I had this opportunity to be like, okay, what do I want my life to look like now? And um, I think the universe sort of delivered a little bit in in giving my husband and I this opportunity to move to uh, a property an hour where we were living and um, 
take up this role where we've been growing veggies and looking after gardens for the owners for the last 12 months, living in a tiny two-room home. Um, yeah, so certainly life is very, very different to what it was <laughs> just over 12 months ago. That's, that is so cool. And I love that you um, that your response was not like a fear-based one. Oh, I've lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, jump into the first job that comes along and, you know, kind of keep doing what you've been doing. It was – because I think that's the response that a lot of people would have, you know, um, rather than facing the, the potentially difficult questions of what do I want life to look like and why isn't it – why don't I feel happy in, in life as it is now? What can I do to change that? You kind of – yeah, I think that's really – it's really inspiring. I love that. Um, do you, I mean, obviously life is different, but do you feel different the way you sit in your life now? You know, do you have, like you said, every hour is accounted for and, um, you know, there was a nine to five kind of grind. That's obviously gone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, my husband and I job share this role here. So he, um, sort of works full-time because he he takes on a lot of other responsibilities outside of the garden as well. So he works full-time and, and I work part-time, which I found to be fantastic because um, I guess my number one driver is really to have space in my life and I think that's really, that's a reaction, I think, to, to studying and working and, and having that real structure in my life and not having any space. So um, definitely... I, I guess my main priority now is um, is not not living my life driven by external values. It's about really being intentional and and thinking about what I what I actually want to do and how I actually want to live my life and making choices driven by that rather than by somebody else's sort of agendas or societies what society considers normal and, and consumerism and that type of thing. I guess it's um, life now is, is very much, okay, this is my life. I only get one life. What am I going to do with it? What are my choices? Mm. Um, yeah, just really taking, taking a step back from that. So how, um, how have you come across a lot of opposition to that? You know, do people kind of think that you're doing things – uh, in a you know unusual way, or have you have you copped any criticism from family or friends? And if you have, how do you deal with it? Um, I think, oh, I guess when when I was made redundant, I guess my family, like my parents, you know, they were quite worried. And you know, we had a mortgage, and it's just my husband and I. We don't have any children, so um, there was sort of not that that stress there. But we're both. Um, We've both been very, very surprised and happy with with the support that we've had from people. You know, we've sort of tentatively talked about our ideas about how we'd like to one day start our own market garden, you know, and grow our own food for sale and, and that sort of thing. And we thought that people around us would probably, you know, be quite fearful and how are you going to make that work and that's sort of a weird thing to do. But... We've actually had a lot of support. People have been amazingly, you know, positive about it. So that was really fortunate. I think it's really scary sometimes to have these sort of left to centre ideas and people, 
you know, you have to be careful who you talk to them about because people <laughs> will, will often reflect back to you that your deep-held fears that you maybe don't even realise you have. Mm-hmm. You, can be, you can be so sort of bombarded by other people in those situations. But, um, no, we were really lucky and we have been really lucky. And I think it's just um, it, it's not about making crazy choices that might put us in, in difficult situations. It's about thinking things through and, and choosing the best option. And I think that... If you can be confident in your choices, then when you're talking to other people about it, then, you know, they sort of respond positively to that. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that because, like you said, you didn't just decide that we're going to chuck everything in, go and live in a teepee and, you know, not pay our bills and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Although exactly. sometimes that would be kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we, um, we sort of we moved out of our house and, and we rented it out so it you know, the mortgage was looking after itself and we were pretty fortunate to be able to do that. And um, we stepped into a situation where we could continue to pay the bills that we needed to pay and, and our income now is significantly lower than it was, but our expenses are also mm. quite a lot lower. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was an educated choice, but yeah. um, I, I think that you can always, you can nearly always find a solution that will work. If you if you just sit down and and look at everything objectively, yeah. Um, and I also think, I mean, it sounds like I've been reading your blog a lot, um, but you, like you were saying, your incomes decrease, but you've also readjusted your thought on the stuff you own, the stuff you buy, and the way you spend your money. So it's not like uh, any of it feels like a, a hardship. It's just a completely different view on life over the last twelve months that you've kind of excavated and and created for yourselves yeah definitely I think we we've always been quite um rational about about money like we've never been in a situation where we've had to pay off a lot of consumer debt or or any of that sort of thing but it certainly is a bit of a mindset shift to um to not just reach towards spending as your initial reaction so Um, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it actually. Is it, it's a problem. What can I, what can I buy that will fix the problem? Yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's pretty typical of most, most of us, I guess at some point. Yeah. I like that. Um, do you have, uh, now that you've got a bit more time and a bit more space in your days, do you have any, what have you added to your days? Obviously apart from the market garden work, um, you you do your permaculture design work, is that right? Um, I, I'm not actually doing too much of it at the moment. Okay. I started um, last year, I started informally kind of helping people as a bit of a trade using, you know, on my website. Yeah. And that was fantastic, but um, it was a lot of work. Mm. And, and I was finding that um, I was spending all my time sitting in front of the computer or at a desk reading and it was just sort of like, what? I've got this amazing opportunity here to go and learn about what I want to do and I'm spending my time in front of the computer. <laughs> so so even though I was uh, I was loving what I was doing and it was really nice to feel like I was making a difference to people's lives and also, you know, being driven by wanting to make a difference um, on an environmental scale, um, it's sort of maybe it was just a, a rebound from being in full-time work and feeling like I had to occupy myself all the time or something. But, 
Yeah, I, I certainly um, I pull back from that now and, and I'm using a lot of the time to just, um, I, I nearly want to say focus on survival stuff, but I mean, by that I mean I want, I've been spending my time doing, you know, preserving tomatoes and, and baking bread and doing all those sort of things where I would have just gone out and bought that previously. Um turning towards what we're getting out of the garden and, and preserving it. And it's a really busy time for that now. Obviously, everything's sort of ripe and ready to go. So um, certainly a lot more of my hours are spent doing those type of things. Um, and I'm really loving doing that, actually. Yeah, it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes, you, you know, you, you're staring at 10 kilos of tomatoes going, oh, my God. But then you kind of get a bit of perspective and go, yeah, no, that's actually really cool. Like, I could be sitting in an office under fluoro lights staring at a computer or I could be blanching these tomatoes and, and canning them. So, yeah. And that, yeah. I guess, in itself is a, is a whole act of mindfulness, isn't it? And, you know, you taking away those things that are just so convenient, like going down to the supermarket and buying bread or buying a tin of tomatoes or whatever, if you take those things away – um, and you, you need to provide them for yourself, you just have so much more of a, a an understanding and appreciation of what goes into the little things as well. I guess mm. it would help to feel uh, more gratitude and more, um, yeah, an abundance because it's not as easy as it was to just pop down to the shops. No. I mean, one of my great passions, I think, is really trying to help people understand you know, the effort that goes into putting food on their table. It's so easy for people to go to a shop and buy something. And, and, you know, I did this all the time as well. And you are just so often disconnected from from where your food comes from. And it's so easy just to take that, take it for granted when, you know, not that long ago, people lived subsistently. Like they, if they wanted tomatoes, they had to grow them. So, mm. Um, I think society has accelerated very quickly away from that into the model that we have today and, and there's a huge disconnect there. So it's certainly made me a thousand times more grateful for the food that is on my plate and, and just given me such a great understanding of the effort that goes into it and, and an appreciation for how much it does take. When you grow something from seed right through to saving the seed again the next year and preserving it, it's um, certainly an eye opener. Yeah, <laughs> it's but it's exciting though too, isn't it? I mean, I'm only I only have a really small veggie garden, but being able to put something in the ground and then three months later cutting it and eating it, and then you know each year you kind of repeat the process. It's amazing. It really oh, is. It really is. Yeah, and you, you're picking stuff off a plant, going. This plant was a tiny little seed that I put in the ground not that long ago, and now look at it. That's amazing. It really is amazing. It is. Um, and then you have days like I've had today where I went out to hang the clothes on the line and the chickens had gotten out and they'd scratch through all the new plantings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we get that too. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then, you know, same thing. You kind of realise how much goes into something that we just take so readily for granted when we go to the supermarket and pick up a lettuce. You don't think about any of that. You just think that you want lettuce, you know. Um, yeah. It's, uh, so you guys keep you keep chickens. Do you keep any other animals? Uh, yeah, we've we've got some pigs. Okay. Um, which we got um, we got our first two 
before Christmas um, and they are so much fun. <laughs> They're such great little things. Um, yeah, so we, we've got five of them and we've been using them to add fertility into our system and to also um, sort of dig up earth and, and prepare new ground for where new market garden beds are going to go. So um, obviously they, they will get eaten in the end. So um, that's been a big lesson living out here too, yeah. kind of, you know, um, distancing myself from kind of making everything a pet. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, it's it's been good fun to sort of see them. I've never had pigs or anything like that before. So, yeah, it's good. That's cool. And I think that's important as well because there is, like you were saying, there's such a disconnect between the food that we eat, meat or vegetables or bread or whatever, and how it's processed and produced. And I think um, like I stopped eating meat last year because I don't think that I could, you know, raise an animal in order to eat it. But I think that that's the way to do it, if, if that makes sense at all. Like um, mm. I feel like if you're going to eat meat, then at least have an understanding of where it's from. Um, and what's you know what how the animal's been raised and all that kind of thing yeah. and um yeah i really appreciate that whole um paddock to table paddock to plate philosophy because it's you know it it takes it it takes a a, a view of everything rather than just the bit that tastes good if that makes yeah. sense you know and i think yep. it's really important that people understand that and that's something that i've been trying to introduce to my kids and that kind of thing because i don't want them growing up thinking that that's where meat comes from, you know, plastic wrap in the supermarket yeah, um, or vegetables or bread or whatever. It's, um, yeah, I think it's really important to kind of keep talking about it. And I know there's a, a big kind of growth as an explosion of small, small, small holding farmers and things like that on Instagram and writing blogs. And I think that's so great, not only because people understand um, you know, what it is to eat and produce seasonal food too and not be able to get tomatoes in July. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's really important. Um, do you uh, have any rituals or rhythms that you start your day with? Oh, um, I guess I guess I do. I, I like to take my time in the morning I, and I'm not one of these people that, you know, jumps out of bed and goes for a run or anything. <laughs> Um, I, I'm always a coffee in bed in the morning kind of person, start the day quite gently. Um, I used to be a a. 5am riser, um, but since living out here on the farm, that's actually dropped away and, and, um, you're really dictated. The time you start work is, is dictated by when the sun comes up really, so, Mm. So, um, yeah, it changes a bit and it's a bit flexible. In the middle of summer, you are up as soon as you can be and out there to get out of the heat. And um, in winter, you wait as long as you can to get out there until until the frost kind of melts. I think we had one morning where we didn't have any water till 10 o'clock because the pump was frozen. So, um, yeah, it's it's very variable, but it's certainly um, not, not... jumping out and just and and running off into the day it's it's starting slow and thinking about what needs to happen and just that mindfulness I suppose that's really um what I try and bring into my mornings Mm. and that I think is the epitome of 
slow living, isn't it? You know, mm. figuring out what needs to happen, what want, what what fits in, but going about it in a really mindful way, whether or not that's getting up at 5 a.m. to go to the garden before it gets hot or, you know, getting up and getting the kids to school, whatever it is. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you – before but before you um you moved house and changed your life um did you have any inkling that you were interested in slowing down already you said you were getting kind of unhappier in your job and felt kind of that pressure on your shoulders but were you planning on or had you made any changes to to help slow down and simplify before that yeah i'd i'd really been um I'd really been becoming more and more interested in the whole minimalism sort of movement. And I don't even know how I came across it. I, I think I probably just found a blog post, you know, like a Zen Habits blog post or something. I don't know. Um, but I had probably for 18 months before we moved, I had been on a bit of a decluttering rampage. <laughs> um, I'm still I'm still a bit of a decluttering addict actually. Like I, I'm constantly, there's always a box of stuff that's going to the charity shop for us and that's even now that we've downsized so much, I still find things. So um, that had been going on for a little while and, and really um, I'd really been enjoying that process of identifying what I did and didn't want physically in our space and um, just the joy that comes with clearing clutter and having physical spaces around you that are not stuffed full of things Um, and maybe that was that was probably the only way that I could really express that desire for space in my life because you know, when you're getting up and, and going to work and coming home and every everything in your time is structured the the way that I could express that sort of desire was to have physical space. So, yeah, that had definitely been going on for a while and I had been thinking, you know, maybe I can um, go down to part-time work and how would we make that work financially? And mm-hmm. my husband actually went back and he um, he changed his his sort of trajectory and went back and did an adult apprenticeship and, and – um, was just finishing up his plumbing apprenticeship. So so we'd had sort of that readjustment there as well. So I guess things had, had gradually been moving in that direction. Okay. Um, I'd found permaculture and, and done a permaculture design certificate and that was, it was such an eye-opener for me. I, I knew nothing about permaculture before I did that training and um, to realise there was this whole worldwide movement around everything that I loved was, um, was fantastic. Mm. Um, I think that's not dissimilar to the way I, I guess I came to it as well. I think I, I, I stumbled across maybe, I think it was definitely a, a Zen Habits post, but I'm, I'm sure it was about decluttering or, you know, minimalism, what it looked like for people. And I remember thinking, oh, there's actually, there's people around who kind of feel like I do, but they've done something about it. Yeah. And, you know, to, to come to that realisation that there's this whole movement based on something that you're passionate about and becoming passionate about, it's it really is life-changing. Um, yeah, that's really – yeah, it's very similar to how I felt. Um, if you were – if you could go back and talk to yourself five years ago 
um, you know, and, and kind of explain to yourself what life becomes. Would you, what, what would you tell yourself? I mean, would you like to get there quicker if you could? Would you, you know, were there things that you used to worry about that just weren't worth worrying about? Mm. I guess, um, I guess I would probably, I would probably just try and tell myself to not worry so much about what other people thought mm-hmm. about what I was doing. Um, it's so easy, I think, to get caught up in that and, and to be trying to live according to how you think your parents want you to live or how your boss wants you to live or how your friends are living. And, um, yeah, I think that would be the number one thing I wish I had known five years ago was that people will still like you if you do your own thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't regret any of the time I spent working. Um, I was working in research and, and that was so so interesting and I don't regret any of that time and and the path I got to get here wasn't horrendous or horrible um by any means so yeah I I think I'm pretty pretty happy in the pathway that my life's kind of gone it's just simply that that mindset shift around hey follow your own dreams and and don't worry about anybody else's yeah I think that's that is a really good lesson (laughs) yeah um, so what are you, what are you up to now? I mean, what are the plans going forward? Are you guys uh, happy to stay? I know you were saying that you are thinking down the track of starting your own market garden. Is that something that you're working on short term, or that's more a long term plan? Um, well, we are actually um, we are going to be leaving our position here um, at the farm. That's hot off the press. Okay, um, <laughs> you heard um, it here but, first. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in in the next couple of months, we've we've just decided that it's time for us to sort of take the next move. Yeah, and um, we're actually going to go and uh, sell our our old home, and then we're going to make a move over to um, sort of another area of country, New South Wales, which is closer to my family. And we are going to start to look for opportunities for us to do something like this for ourselves over there. So that is that is the long-term dream, if you will, I suppose, um, to, to have our own little patch of land and be able to contribute our own food to the food system and, and that whole movement of providing good and nutritious and ethically farmed food. Mm. I think I really believe that if, if you have the means and the desire to do that, then you almost have a an obligation mm-hmm. to you know if you're not part of the solution you're part of the problem in a way so um that is kind of the long-term dream and and we'll just see we'll see what path you know we take to get there so mm. that's um that's the the long and the short of it I suppose like we've been here and and um loved our time here and learnt so much and been so grateful and excited for the next you know chapter to unfold mm, that's really exciting it is, yeah. 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 It's, it's a bit scary, but it's um, it's really exciting too. Yeah, I, I feel like I agree with you completely. And there's this, there's been a, a over the last few years. I'm not sure if you, I mean, if you see the same thing or not, but I feel like there's a big groundswell of of kind of grassroots support for that style of um, food production. I mean, it doesn't necessarily just have to be food, but um, you know, in this case, there's. I'm seeing lots and lots of m- more um, like ethically minded, community minded, 
small farms and producers coming through and the support seems to be there for them um, and it's becoming more of a mainstream thing, even just with the proliferation of farmers markets and things in across the entire country. Yeah. Um, I think that's really exciting. I, I hope, I really hope that we get to a tipping point soon and, you know, the me- momentum gets behind producers so that we can actually see, like you said, if you're not <laughs> not part of the, the solution, you're kind of part of the problem just by default unfortunately you know yeah no I agree with you and you know the funniest thing is I actually think that social media has been an absolute godsend Mm. in in that way which is so funny because it can be such an evil thing sometimes and I think for the small farmers and small producers it's really where the momentum and the traction um has has come from and I think it's just it's perhaps um it's been a way for people to band together and to to realise that there are other people out there who want to do the same thing, whereas, you know, there hasn't been any big unifying body or anything like that you could become a member of. Um, now it's sort of become this Instagram kind of community and it's it's really quite beautiful. It is. You know, I felt silly saying it before because, like, what does Instagram have to do with, um, you know, small-scale farming? But it does because I've discovered all of these small producers um, doing amazing things that I would never have known about. And not only is it, um, you know, so that I want to support them in terms of buying their produce and, you know, going to where they're going to be at markets and things like that, but also just to see that these are just normal people with normal lives, but they're doing something about it. You know, they're trying to fix what they see as a problem in the system. And that makes me feel like, well, I can too, you know. Yep. Social media can absolutely be this <laughs> this cesspool of um, comparison and, you know, feeling never good enough and uh, kind of peeking into these staged zones of people's lives and homes. And that doesn't bring a lot of joy <laughs> to a lot of people. No. But on the other side of it, you can really see that there's communities building up around certain movements. And I think like the slow food, I guess, would be a good way to describe it. Um, slow food movement and local producers kind of movement. It's um it's really inspiring to see. Yeah. Yep, I agree. That's awesome. Um, so before we finish up, what? Uh, so your your blog is um uh think uh what is it think? What's the name think, of your blog? Yes, <laughs> think big, live simply. Thank you. I get wanting to say think slow, live simply. I'm like that's not right. <laughs> so you can check out Beckett. <laughs> think big, live simply. Um, but to you, what if you could describe a simple life? What would it be for you? Oh, a simple life for me is is just. Uh, it's just a life of intention, really, mm. and it's about it's about having space and time to just do what actually really matters to me, and and it's about living lightly on the earth as well. So, growing my own food and um, you know, hopefully inspiring other people to do that as well, and helping other people to do that. Um, yeah, I guess it's just. A simple life is just a life well lived, mm-hmm. really. It's it's doing something for yourself um, that makes you happy and um, obviously not doing harm to anybody else while you're doing that, but it's you only get one life and it should really be about what you want and how you want to live it. Perfect. Mm. Mm, I love that. 
another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes, leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening.